1: Coach Radio. That's Audibletrial.com slash LifeCoachRadio. And now here's today's show.
2: Good afternoon everyone and welcome to today's broadcast of Making Inspired Choices with Coach Linda. I'm your host, Linda Stevens-Jones, and I'm a certified Christian life coach. It's wonderful that you've taken time out of your schedule to tune in today. So thanks for being here. If this is your first time tuning in, a special welcome to you. Come on in and get comfortable for what I like to call an hour of uplift and encouragement. This broadcast airs on the first and third Tuesday of every month at 12 noon Eastern. I try to leave listeners encouraged by choosing a topic you can delve into I share a few coaching tips and I have guest interviews. At the end of each show, I leave time for you to call in and ask questions or join the conversation. I hope you'll make this hour a regular date with me. Just take down the info on the contact slide on the screen, that way you'll receive the show link and update directly before every broadcast. Everyone listening to this show Later, after our live broadcast, thanks for tuning in. If you've downloaded today's show on iTunes and you're in the midst of a workout when you're listening, today's show will help to make your workout fly by. (laughs) Let me send a big shout-out of thanks to my last guest, Ms. Tony Towns-Whitley, Corporate Vice President of Worldwide Public Sector and industry at Microsoft. Tony helped us kick off Women's History Month on the last show. If you missed it, I highly recommend you go back and listen to her inspiring interview of wisdom, walking in faith, and applying life experiences as she built her amazing career. Thank you, Tony. Today, we are continuing our tribute to women and the celebration of Women's History Month in our nation. Today is part two of our topic for this month, Dwell in Possibility. As I shared on the last broadcast, think about it. Women are known to dwell in possibility. If not, we would not have some of the open doors and opportunity that are equally available for women and men that we have today looking back even when women had no guarantees of outcomes they spoke up they set bold visions and never gave up so what can we all learn from their examples there are no actual limits to our opportunities at some points and stages we see only a small portion of what is possible in our lives. It's usually based on what's going on with us in a particular moment or season. But what I've seen over and over again is the fact that when we consider and see possibility and then we have the courage and audacity to take action, open doors or Partially open doors or windows are there. The opportunities either exist or we create them. When we decide to dwell in possibility and say yes to opportunity, unimaginable, unimaginable increase, blessings, benefits come into our lives. So what do these ideas that I'm sharing bring up for you? Are you settling for the status quo in your life? Are you in a situation, or let's be real, a rut where you really want to have or do or be something different, but you're not sure how to go about it? What if the mindset of possibility rather than limitations is your first step to help you stretch to see what you've, what's, well, I should say, to see what's unseen for you right now? What if your mindset of possibility is the difference? What would happen if you dwell in possibility about your relationships, about your finances, areas such as your health or your career success or your spiritual growth. What I'm offering is that one step, first of all, is to dwell in possibility of having what you desire. And from there, you can design concrete first second, and third action steps toward turning the desire into reality. Does that make sense? I hope so. I've seen beginning with possibility work in my own life and in the lives of my clients countless times. Now, before I go any further, let me say my guest today is someone Dwells in possibility. You're going to see it. Let me introduce her right now. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a great honor to have as my guest today Miss Loretta Penn. Loretta is the former president of Syrian Staffing Services, a division of SFN, a $2 billion staffing and recruiting company acquired by the RANSTAT Group in 2011. Penn led the company's largest division in excess of one billion dollars and was responsible for revenue growth and profitability, service delivery, sales, operations, and strategic direction across five hundred plus company owned, licensed and franchised offices offices in North America. Prior to becoming president of Sphereum staffing, Penn served as Syrian's Chief Service Excellence Officer and President of Syrian Legal Staffing, along with other senior-level positions. Penn brings over 25 years of experience in the staffing industry and 10 years in sales, marketing, and executive management positions with the IBM Corporation. Melinda Penn is currently the founder and president of Tech LLC, an executive coaching and consulting company. She works with senior executives, business owners, entrepreneurs, and individuals to create greater alignment between business goals, vision, and profitability. Her practice focuses on working with professionals who seek To develop innovative, creative, and sustainable solutions in workforce management, talent acquisition, and retention in a diverse global environment. In alignment with her coaching and consulting practice, Penn is currently an adjunct professor at the George Washington University School of Nursing in Washington, D.C., in the MSN and doctoral programs nursing leadership, and executive management program. Penn holds a Bachelor of Science degree from North Texas University and a Certificate of Studies from Harvard University. She currently serves on the Board of Directors for Teco Energy, the North Highland Company, and the Global Good Fund. Penn also serves as Chairman of the Board of New pro and affiliate of Year Up. Loretta, welcome to the Making Inspired Choices radio show. It is Linda, such an honor to have you. you as my guest.
0: Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here.
2: Thank you. Well, we are here to give uplift and encouragement to the audience. With this being Women's History Month, it's especially awesome for the audience to hear from a trailblazer like you and to be prompted to think about the kinds of choices they are making for themselves. So let's get started. Okay. Tell us us where you grew up and what your growing up years were like.
0: Well, I grew up in what we call Big D, so in Dallas, Texas. And yes, that is the home of the Dallas Cowboys. And I understand that I am sitting in redskin territory. I get that. But it's I am true. still a diehard Dallas Cowboy fan. That's where I grew up. Um, I'm an only child. So it was just mom, dad, and myself um, growing up in Dallas and living there really all of my adult life until I turned 25 years old um still go back there dad's deceased now but mom just celebrated her 94th birthday last year and so we just had a blast last week dallas is doing well awesome now but now let me just share a little bit but in the second part of your question which is you know what were my growing up years like well they were Mm -hmm. great um it was Again, as I said, I'm an only child, and and let me just add right away, I am not spoiled. At least that's what I say. Now, good <laughs> others might differ, but, <laughs>
2: but gotcha. growing up
0: was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful, as I describe it. As you know, we certainly we we didn't have a lot of money by any stretch of the imagination. Um, my dad got to the sixth grade in school. My mom graduated from high school. And yet, my dad was a man who worked at the same place, a, a lumber company, for 56 years. You think no one does that anymore. And right. and my mom did not work when I was growing up, except well, she was a, a housekeeper um, for uh, for others. But she went mm-hmm. decided to go back to school when I went to college, and she became a nurse. So. We had we had fun growing up. I had a my dad was one of nine children, my mom was one of six. And so I had this wonderful array and still do of cousins who were like brothers and sisters for me. And so mm-hmm. that was that was my family. That that was my nucleus and whom I just love and adore today and who really helped formulate who I am today.
2: Mm-hmm. I hear you, yeah. Um, Well, that that just opens for my next question perfectly. Our core values as adults um, are often based upon or they're shaped by how we grow up. So tell us, as a result of your growing up experience, what are some of the core values that drive your life today?
0: Well, I'll start with growing up, and first, and it's kind of funny as I think of that. I think of a, a phrase that will be familiar to you, because, and that is, loving God, loving others, and mm-hmm. as you know, that is what is our symbol at at Antioch at our church, and mm-hmm. and I would say that that fits very much what happened in the my. My maiden name is Medlock. So, in the Medlock household, we—I was taught mm. as far back as I can remember, at maybe two years old, and I can remember back there, two and a half, to put God first. And so, mm. that was about being involved in church and no accepting Christ as my personal Savior having ministries that I was involved in and working in the church as young as I can remember. As a matter of fact, you know how it is when you're young. Sometimes I would say, you know, we get up, my dear dear me we go to sunday school and then we stay for church and then we come back for btu and then we go to night service and i would say oh when the day comes when i'm just not going to church all day well and what do i do now i go to church all day so (laughs) but it was it was really about putting god first in our household and then I would say when I t- talk about the loving others side, it was about paying paying it forward. You know, I as I said at the mm-hmm. beginning, we didn't have a lot of money, so it's not like we had money to go and give to anyone. But what my mom and dad mm-hmm. taught me and what they did by example was paying it forward with your time and with your energy mm-hmm. and with any way that you can to give. Because one of the things I learned early on, our greatest gifts are not always about money. Many, many, many times our greatest gift will be that of time and that of letting yes. others know that you care about them. So when I think of growing up and be having a foundation, um, yes. one of the things I know my, my mother would say all the time, she would say, you can't beat God giving. And you know we've all heard that. <laughs> well. my mother and dad really demonstrated just how true that is. You you can't beat him. You cannot possibly Mm. give more than God gives Mm. to you. And so if I take that to where I am now and how those kind of things have driven my life, um, Mm -hmm. for me now it is very much about putting God first, always. It is also about paying it forward. What can I do that hopefully will make a difference and help someone else and and to do it without worrying about who knows about it because the only person I want to really know when he knows before I do it is God that I'm trying to do those things that God would have me to do that would help someone else and and I would say a third thing that drives my core values is being thoughtful and I and this is one I've developed over the years I can't say that I was always good at this and And God Mm -hmm. knows I can be so much better at being thoughtful than I am now. But I'm better than I was. And Mm -hmm. I really work to be thoughtful about what I say, what I do, how I act, and how I respond. And one Mm -hmm. of the things that takes me forward with those four things is if I really work very hard to remember, how do I want this conversation How do I want this relationship, how do I want this interaction to end? Not what do I want to say at the beginning, what do I want to do at the beginning. It's how do I want it to end? How do I want that person to feel? And how do I want to feel when it's over? So I would say those are some of the core elements that really drive how I pray that I live my life today.
2: Beautiful, beautiful. That, that is a great nugget for myself and our listeners in terms of thinking of what you want the outcome to be in your interactions with others. Being thoughtful, I don't think I've ever heard of that as a, as a core value. Thank you for that. Absolutely. Um, with just your wealth of, of work life and experience, um, is there any particular lesson life lesson or past experience um, that you feel has um, uniquely prepared you for where you are now, what you're doing now? Anything in particular come to mind?
0: That's a great question. I'll answer it in, in this manner. Instead of a life lesson, I'll talk about maybe just two or three things in life that's prepared mm-hmm. me for what I do now. So, I'll start with when I finished college, I was ready to teach school. I had my teacher certificate and I was all ready to do that. And I was going to become the teacher who taught for 25 years, get the gold watch and love life, love love teaching mm-hmm. kids. And so mm-hmm. I taught high school, taught English and sophomore English and business math. And I I did it for one year. Now, I would have done it for 25, but I had one problem. I didn't, at that Mm -hmm. time in Dallas, Texas, I didn't make enough money to pay my rent and eat at the same time. And I had this unique, crazy desire to be able to do both. So (laughs) I realized that I needed to do something differently. And. I was just blessed. It was I'd love to say it was something I planned, but I was blessed to be offered a job at IBM. And so that is truly the core of what prepared me from a business perspective for what I do today. It was just amazing development, training, leadership, all of that in the areas of how to to be a good salesperson, which was what I ultimately wanted to do, Um, manage others, lead others, develop others. It was just phenomenal. And I had 10, almost 11 years there before I was recruited to go into the staffing and recruiting industry. The second thing I would say that prepared me for the work I do now is life, Mm -hmm. life on its own, because that's a lot of what coaching is about. Um, Executive coaching, of course, And I know you would agree with that. Um, (laughs) Executive coaching, yes, it's about the talent you have, the experience that you bring to the table, the business acumen you've developed, the training, the education, the certification, it's about all of that. But I would suggest Mm -hmm. that around all of that is the umbrella of life. And so Mm -hmm. I would say that what I learned at IBM certainly allowed me to take all of that and spread it over the 25-plus years in the staffing and recruiting industry and and all that I learned there. I'd put the umbrella of life around it. And then there's one more thing that I would add, which I love, and I would, if you haven't read it or the listeners haven't read it, I would highly recommend it. And that's Robert Fulgham's book, All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. It's Ah, just one Please do. It's just one of my favorite books. It is simple, and yet it is complex. It is brief, yet it is a life-learned lesson. And what he teaches Mm -hmm. in that little tiny book, All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten, is that he teaches life's most simple things to do to make life wonderful. For example, Mm -hmm. he says, he says, "Play fair." Now that's just two words, but you know that's pretty awesome. Play fair. Don't don't cheat. Wow. Don't don't be arrogant. Don't try to take it over. Yeah. Just play fair. Then he says, mm-hmm. and this is one of my favorites. He says, "Don't hit people." So, <laughs> so.
2: Wow. You, think
0: you know, you're growing up and you want something or you want to take something. You might hit somebody. So would say, us this as a little one and let's take it into our adult years. Don't hit people. Then he says, Again, I love this. He says, Share everything.
2: Share. Beautiful.
0: All of these hmm. things we have in life, God just gave them to us, He loaned them to us. They are not ours. We need to share. <laughs> Now I'm going to, sh- and I'll tell you two more. Then I'll stop because I just love that little book. I've had it for probably oh forty-five years. And wow. he says, he says, say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. I thought, yeah. I love these.
2: That. I love these. Aren't they great? Mm.
0: Well, and he has a mm-hmm. list of about twenty of them. And again, they're so simple, yet they're so complex. They're so short. Yet there's such a lifelong learning opportunity. So mm-hmm. so again, so what how did I get how do I do what I do now? Well, I learned a lot at IBM. I've had a lot of years on Earth so far, thank the Lord for that, to have some life experiences. And then I continue to remember what um what I learned in kindergarten.
2: Mm. The kind of the kind of do's and don'ts that really apply for a lifetime, don't they? They do. They do. You know, Beautiful. you just
0: take just take the one that says don't hit people. Well, so you think, hmm. you know, well, okay, we're adults. We're not going to be walking around hitting people. But you know what? We may not hit them with our hand. But we may Physically, hit them with something yeah. that we say, mm-hmm. We may hit them with something yeah. we say that's un- not kind. Mm-hmm. We may hit them mm-hmm. with the rumor that we don't stop when we hear it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We may hit them with the false accusation. Yes. Um, in today's world, we might even hit them with an alternative fact. So mm-hmm. we need to make sure we don't hit people.
2: Don't hit people. I love that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that book, audience. um, Everything I Need to Know, I Learned in Kindergarten. Let's all look that book up. I love that. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, As you know, we are continuing our homage to women this month, uh, for Women's History Month, and we're talking about the topic, dwell in possibility. You know, sometimes we need to be encouraged to remember or to even learn for the first time that there are different possibilities, options from how things are right in the moment. Um, I'd love for you to just share what does the idea of dwell in possibility bring up for you?
0: Um, Thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll gladly share some thoughts around that when you told me a couple of weeks ago of what the um, topic was i i thought about the word dwell and typically typically when we think of Mm -hmm. dwell we think of we'll add an ing to it and we think of a dwelling and think of you know living in a house or some covert entity Mm
2: -hmm.
0: but if we just take the word dwell on its own i i think of it as be in it be in it. Don't be on the outside of it. Don't be on the surface. Don't just kinda of be around it. Be in it. Wallow in it. Want it all around you. You know, it's like you've got won the lottery and you can get that hundred and fifty thousand dollars sable mink and it's just going to drape you. <laughs> so when yes. I- When I think of dwell and I think of be in it, and then the next two words, dwell in the possibility. So I want to be in the possibility. I want to believe in the good of something. Because if it's possible, then it's a positive thing. It's good. It means that if I'm dwelling in the possible, hopelessness has no place in my head or my heart, it says to me that anything is possible. It says that as long as I believe, as my mother says, God's got it, then anything (laughs) that is right is also possible to do and to believe in. It's so easy sometimes when things are going in the way that we don't want them to, to go mm-hmm. into that path of what if, why me, woe is me, yes. et cetera. Yes. Instead of why not me, who am I yes. that this should not happen to me? Who am mm-hmm. I that I should miss out on a little pain? Who am I that mm-hmm. I should miss out on a little sorrow? Who am I should, that I should miss out on a little hurt? no. If I believe in the positive part of God, and that all that he is, then instead of me saying, why not, I'm going to be saying, I know I can. And to me, that is what dwelling in the possibility is about. It is about, I think, the very um, casual phrase is turning a lemon into lemonade, I think the more thoughtful phrase is being what God wants us to be, doing what God wants us to do. And God wants us to do the right thing. The God I serve wants Mm -hmm. us to be happy. He wants us to be accountable. He wants us to believe in the possibilities. And so I do because I believe in him. Thusly, there isn't a time, even in my most down moment, that I should not think and believe and then know that all things are possible through him.
2: Oh, I, you see, you see, is Loretta Penn not uh, a perfect guest to talk about dwell in possibility? Mm.
0: Oh, you're so kind.
2: Really, I mean... To the audience i I hope just listening to her perspective about that gave you a lot to chew on, you know that is that is way more than I even envision in terms of wallow impossibility, not only let it be a passing thought but wallow in it. I love that <laughs> <laughs> thank you um You know, because you, and you've shared in terms of early career and your vision to be a teacher, um, but from the, I want to touch on from the time you got into Spherion Staffing Services, I would just love for you to, I mean, I think it's very relative to just kind of share your walk from entering that company to ending up as the president of the company absolute
0: journey absolutely I certainly will um uh, when I was recruited to go into the staffing and recruiting industry um i in nineteen eighty eight I started with a regional staffing company and um and then i we sold that company to a company in the United kingdom, and during that t- time with the organization before we sold it, and that was seven years um we had i had a wonderful opportunity to come into that company as an officer of the organization and to have a chance along with the president and the ceo to really continue to build that organization and it was amazing so i had a chance to take those things i'd learned at IBM and then really put them into action and actually do them. It was I realized very quickly mm-hmm. it was a real big difference in going from working for an eighty-four billion dollar company to going to work for a hundred and twenty million dollar company, and and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you become a doer. But it was a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for me to get into the industry and to be an officer in an organization and to make a difference. So that kind of started my my learning if you will of of senior executive types of roles and functions so when mm-hmm. i was recruited from there to go to oh well i did have this period in between where i thought about maybe i would leave the staffing industry and i was going to go to law school and i thought i'm mm-hmm had thoughts then about becoming an attorney, and I could see myself being, the, you know, the female Perry Mason or something like that. So,
2: <laughs>
0: But before I went off on that, that trajectory, I was recruited to come to work for Spherion. And so I had an opportunity there to first run a region of offices, so that's about 10 offices initially, then to take on an area, geographic area, so multiple states, so up to about 40 offices. And this was, Spherion was a a staffing company, and we focused on temporary and full-time and um, outsourcing staffing of talent to companies all across North America, major corporations across North America. And Mm -hmm. so I went from running about 10 offices to 40 offices, and then I ran our national accounts. And national accounts, I had responsibility then for about $700 million of business within the organization. And my job was to both close deals as well as lead others who closed staffing deals. And so, for example, one of our clients was um, UPS. So you think about all the UPS boxes you get at Christmas and Thanksgiving time. Well, at any given time from October to December, we would ramp up and deploy about 2,000 temporary employees um, for UPS. So some of our temporary employees Mm. could have been delivering your boxes to your home. Or Uh if you were AOL and you needed a temporary group of accountants to do a special project, those might have been some of my people. So we had the full skill set. So I ran national accounts, and then a position was created for me as Chief Service Excellence Officer because, if, if for the little bit of talent that I do have, there are two things that I do fairly well, and I'm also very passionate about. I'm, I do I do a fairly decent job along that talent continuum of hiring of recruiting the right talent, hiring the right talent, developing the right talent, mm-hmm. training the right talent, and providing that talent for succession planning. That's one thing. And the second area mm-hmm. that I have a lot of experience in and also enjoy is mergers and acquisitions. So we had about five or six oh. mergers during my time there, and I was always either a participant or a lead in those mergers for the company. So as Chief Service Excellence Officer, I was given an opportunity to establish the differentiators of our company teach our leadership team how to market those differentiators in addition to our standard marketing process, train our leadership team on how to develop, hire, and train others on these differentiators, and allow us as a company to make a difference amongst our large competitors. And at that time, we were the fifth largest staffing company in North America. I then Mm -hmm. was asked to – Person who was the president of our staffing division, and we were a 2.7 billion dollar company with 527 offices in North America. And I was in my headquarters was in Fort Lauderdale. And one day Mm -hmm. I was there working. I would go there once a month on business as chief service excellence officer. And I was there one month, and our largest division, our Spherion staffing group, which was at that time about 920 million dollars. It was not doing as well as it could under the current leadership. So I was there, and I, was, I had about an hour left before I was getting ready to catch the airplane to come back to Dalt, to D.C., and I went in to say goodbye to my CEO, as I always did. And as I always did, I said to him, tell me if there's anything I can do to help you. That's what I would tell him, and because I always tell him that he was, he was always telling me. I was always asking him for stuff to help me. What can I do to help you? And he said, uh-huh. you could become president of Spherion Staffing. And I said to him, I said, you have known me now for 11 years. I'm confident this is the first time that you have left me speechless. And so I—that <laughs> that is in, as simple and, again, as complex as I used early as how it started. And mm-hmm. he said to me, he, he described what he needed and felt he needed in leadership and felt that it was something that I could do and bring value to the organization. And while it was certainly something I had worked for, believe me, I had my eye on that position. Don't don't get that twisted. Mm-hmm. I did. But certainly mm-hmm. not at that time. Not then, because again somebody mm-hmm. was in the job. So when he offered sure. that to me, I said I said, Well, perhaps I do need to go home and talk to my husband about that And I <laughs> and I did. I talked to my husband and to my family and thought, Okay, this is it. Here's my chance and um it was a wonderful four years of, of being president of Suryon Staffing, moving it from $920 million to $1.2 billion, and then leading a very mm-hmm. successful selling of the entire company um, at the end of 2011. So that's how we got there.
2: Wow. Now, I, I have to ask, so early on in your time at Suryon, were you yeah. seeing the skys a limit as possibility? were you seeing more a good job in front of you as what you were fully concentrating on what do you remember
0: Mhm, oh, I remember well, yes, and that's a great question and it's it, it is a piece of advice that I give now in my coaching it has It oh. has probably been oh. Thirty-five years since I just looked at the job in in front of me, I have been very consistent at looking at where do I want to be, not in the next job, but the one after that. And mm. if I was going, and my advice to anyone that I coach is that if you're looking at where you are right now and how do you advance where you are right now, not only are you short-sighted, but you are allowing those who are your leaders to be short-sighted about you. And mm-hmm. so I would suggest that because if you're only looking at where you are right now, you're not preparing mm-hmm. yourself for the next job. Someone else is, but you're not. And so if you're not thinking about your, not, not just your next job, but the one after mm-hmm. that, that's where I always go. Two jobs from now, where do I want to be? And what am I doing today that is going to allow me to get there? How am I preparing myself, training myself? What do I need from others? What resources do I need? What reading do I need to do? What learning do I need to have? All of that, because I need to get it mm-hmm. now if I'm going to be in that, not the next one, but the next job by whatever time frame. I—I it It is how I, it's at the core of how I think about professional progression.
2: That is worth the price of admission, people. (laughs) Loretta Penn says not only are you not looking only at the job that's in front of you, but you're looking not even at the next one, but the following job. Yes. Looking at how to prepare yourself two jobs ahead. Mm -hmm. That is extraordinary advice. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. I, I think um, every single listener, if they just take that away from our conversation today, that's what I call serious dwelling in possibility. <laughs> 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 now, you, you um, just epitomize positivity and faith and belief from... I think the audience has gotten that sense as, as you have shared. We've peeked into your life today. Um, you've truly been a trailblazing entrepreneur and you continue to have tremendous success as an executive coach and consultant. I, I recognized um, maybe just in my connectivity to people and, and this audience particularly, when they hear stories um like yours, I know they consider you a blessed and hugely successful person. Um, i I just had this inclination to believe and been doing the show about a year and a half, that what is not apparent when people see people like yourself is that you've also endured major life challenges. Um, I get feedback from listeners often that when my guests talk openly about their personal walks through challenges and hardships, um, they are encouraged. They they recognize that, you know, for those who are blessed and hugely successful, it hasn't been a walk in a rose bed. So would you be willing to share a time when you faced personal trial and what helped you through such a period?
0: Absolutely, I'll be glad to, and I'll give you, I'll give you two or three examples, but I'll do as okay. Steve I'll do as Steve Covey in the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People always says, and that is begin with the end of, end in mind. So, what gets me through, what has gotten me through, and what gets me through, I'll call it the three Fs: faith, family, and friends. That's what gets me mm-hmm. through all. The time So mm-hmm. when I think of of hardships, and I don't know, I, I struggle even with using that word because I think it doesn't mean it hasn't been hard, but if your mm-hmm. faith, if your faith is strong enough, you know you you just you smile above the hardships. It, it's not even a word mm-hmm. that comes comes into your mind and your thinking. I'll go back what is now six years ago when our daughter was diagnosed with breast cancer. And Mm -hmm. here's a young woman who, and her name is Emily, here's a young woman who's just active and outgoing, has raised our two amazing grandsons, and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden here she is diagnosed with breast cancer. And um, it was pretty devastating for us. And Mm -hmm. it was, you know, I thought about not only our child, but, our two grandsons who at that time were 17 and 15 years old. And yeah. you can't help it as humans. You kind of go to the worst-case scenario as well is what mm-hmm. if. And, mm-hmm. and then that's when you have to just kind of slap yourself and think, mm-hmm. so where is this faith that I tell everybody else about? God right. says, okay, now it's your time to just, let's just see how strong that faith is. And mm-hmm. so it, mm-hmm. I will For a family who had been so rich in health and good health and all of a sudden to be hit with this with our child, whom we love, it was um, kind of Mm -hmm. took the wind out of our sails. But the blessing is that now she is in her sixth year of remission and we just say, thank you, Lord, and and just how good is God? He's just amazing.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So... Or if I take it back to the business world, I'll take it back to when we sold Spherion in 2011. And all of a sudden in 2012, I was faced with, what am I going to do now in this next phase of my life? Because I knew I didn't want to retire yet. Mm -hmm. And so my thought that I'd had for 20 years was that I was going to teach school. So I was all ready to go teach high school. But as my husband had been telling me, high school was a little different now. And I kept saying, how different can it be? Well, he was right. It's a lot different. And after I had a chance to visit a couple of high schools and realized that, no, teaching high school was not what I was going to do, I then really did not know what I was going to do with my life. And for someone Mm -hmm. who has had for 50 years, her whole life on a trajectory, not missing a beat, all well planned out, thought out, all Mm -hmm. of that, to have, in 2011, I traveled, I was on a plane traveling 176 days in that year, and all of a sudden to wake up in 2012, and for me, it was like, I have nowhere to go. And so you think, okay, all right, you know, just, well, then retire. Well, no, that's not what I do. And so, mm-hmm. I will tell you, for about four or five months, or well really about six months there i it I just did not know what to do with me, and I had never felt like that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if I'd gone to a doctor, they might have diagnosed it as depression, but I was too stubborn to do that. I thought I'll get over this, uh,
2: but uh-huh. it was
0: just a really a time in my life where God taught me that work does not define you. And if it does, you need to do something about that. And so it taught me that I need because if someone had told me that work defined me before this, I'm I know it does, and I do plenty of other things. But this period taught me that yes, work was defining me, and I Mm -hmm. needed to do something about that that brought me closer to Jesus than I was. I I needed to become get back to being a person, and not Mm -hmm. not president of Spherion. It it was a humbling. Mm -hmm time for me to to call upon the Lord and say, Dear Lord, just, you know, please show me. Just just show mm-hmm. me. Just it took me back to Matthew in the nineteenth chapter of Matthew when the disciples were asking Jesus who can be saved and he said, For mortals it is impossible, but for God mm-hmm. all things are possible. All I had to go back possible. and remember that. I had to remember mm-hmm. that. Or if I take to just this past year when I became sick and I was diagnosed with this tumor and I had to have surgery and I realized that um, there's we get all caught up in things that we we're doing and things we're involved mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. and then when you can you have to sit up and realize that one you need to be dependent on somebody for a while starting with jesus mm-hmm. and then going through yes. to your family and your friends and that you it helps you put in perspective especially your health your health helps you to put life in perspective that the things, and we all define things a number of different ways, but the things that we think are so important, if you could have a do-over and have your health back, (laughs) you would take those things and just walk right by them and leave them out along the side of the road. Yes, so so true. So so what gets me through that, that period, my daughter, my job, the period of my health, what gets me through that, and I continue to go through it, it is, (laughs) as my grandmother said, it's the Jesus in me. That's what Mm -hmm. gets me through it. It's me. Instead, I'm really good about asking others, where is your faith? Well, God taught me to, and Mm -hmm. said, okay, Loretta, where is yours? So it's about praying. It's about praying without ceasing. I understand what that means now. It's yeah. about as one of the ladies in my church at home when I was a little girl. She would, um, the pastor would be preaching, she'd get happy and she'd say, "Who wouldn't serve a God like this?" Well, I'll tell you, <laughs> this teaches you who wouldn't serve a God like this. And then mm-hmm. you add to that your fa- your family and your friends, the friends, the girlfriends. Let me go there, the girlfriends. Mm-hmm. The girlfriends who were in our thirties—we just sacrifice. We'll we'll put them off. We'll get, tell them we're going to get back with right. them. We're just busy. Right. But as we get older, it's about the girlfriends. It's about the girlfriends <laughs> who are just there, who have seen you at your weakest moment, and they still love you, warts and all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so. Let me. It's just a long way to say that what helps me get through life every day. Whatever might be the issues, the trials, the health, whatever it is, it is truly the three Fs. It's faith, it's family, and it's friends.
2: Oh, listeners, didn't she weave that story so beautifully? And I don't know about you, but I'm sitting here recognizing and it's really resonating with me that in any season of life when we're going through and, you know, feel that we're in charge and we're driving the car and then a curveball comes like a, a loved one experiencing a health challenge or your career, uncertainty about your career or even even more personally impacting when it's your own health, That that humbling and that Moment of how do I move forward from this? Faith, family, and friends. Beautifully said, Loretta. I love that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a recipe. <laughs> um, it is. It is. You have you have really shared the. Uh, I, I believe that every listener can relate to the need for those three in their lives. To whatever extent they rely upon faith, family, and friends, I think they can relate to answers within those three, those three areas. Mm-hmm. Um, you You have reminded us of what it's like to experience not only the successes and highs of life, but also the challenging and stressful times. I'm going to open up the phone lines right now so that listeners, you can get in on this conversation. And then I'm going to continue to ask you questions, Loretta.
0: But listeners,
2: anyone out there who'd like to call us with a comment or a question, we'd love for you to join us. Call us right now at one 646 716 9397. That's one And we will be happy to take your calls. Um, Loretta, while we're waiting for callers, um, as I think about the, just the vast array of people who have been able to see you as you um, traverse through the highs and the challenges of of life, I imagine that you have occasions where staff and colleagues or clients turn to you for advice when they're grappling with life challenges. Now, you've given us the powerful three that work for you. What do you find... um, is one of the most common pieces of advice that you may share with someone who's facing a, a challenging season of life.
0: Well, I would, I would always go back again to to your faith, it, because mm-hmm. I don't really know if 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 someone asked me what would I do, and how would I do solve something or handle something without Jesus. I have no answer mm-hmm. for that. So yeah. I would say number one is it is about it is about the Jesus in you. It is about faith. It is about it's about constant prayer. And mm-hmm. then one of the other things that I would say is that I would say don't half do anything. If you're gonna mm-hmm. do something then you go for it, you go do it. You put your passion behind it you put all the knowledge that you have behind it you know knowledge is power Con- we should yes. be about constant learning constant learning we i i was at a i was in dallas week before last and but i was i heard some few people talk about the sermon that um reverend allen preached at antioch and one of the specific things he talked about was 168 hours in a week why can't we take 3 to spend time with the lord and so <laughs> you think <laughs> you think about that 3 hours we 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 spend 3 hours doing what i call stupid stuff but we can't Absolutely. we can't spend 3 praying so so again knowledge is power we should be in constant learning and the first thing we should be learning is we should be reading the word and we should be learning the power of god then we should be constant le- in a bed of constant learning, educating ourselves so that we can be preparing ourselves, whether it's for our work, whether it's for our mission in life, whether it's for something that we want to do on our bucket list, whatever it is. We should be in constant learning, a constant search for knowledge because knowledge is power. We should not have to do anything, and we should, and the, and when we do that, the thing that I I coach on so much for all of my clients, male and female, is that it doesn't matter how smart you are and how educated you are and how many degrees you have. People with far less but who present themselves with a level of confidence you cannot question will be more successful than you. So present yourself with a level of confidence. Be confident in what you know in what you're doing so you can present yourself as that voice of authority and that voice of success. Those are just some of the suggestions I would give.
2: Ooh, I'm writing those down. Excellent (laughs) uh, advice. Excellent advice. (laughs) Um, I'd love for you to... um, You have shared some of your work as an executive coach. What would you say surprises you about the work as an executive coach?
0: (laughs) Well, you will hear me say this, and I might have even said this to you on occasion over the years. The thing that su- still surprises me most as an executive coach and consultant is how much I enjoy the work and that people actually pay me for it. <laughs> so it, it's, it's just I continue to be – people pay me to talk, you know. People pay me for my thoughts. I just – I marvel I marvel at that and I I marvel at it in that I I certainly think I have something worthwhile to say I think I bring you know a decent amount of knowledge and experience and proven ability to the table mm-hmm. um one of my mm-hmm. mantras that I use I I do quite a few speaking engagements and I one of the presentations I've given quite a few times in the past year and a half is on the word fail and I First of all, I think we any if I were going to hire someone and they told me they couldn't think of anything that ever failed in, I'd stand up and tell them, "Thank you. I'm not interested in you." <laughs> because if we haven't failed, then we haven't decided how what it takes to succeed. And I always look at fail. I don't look at it as a bad thing. I consider it more of an acronym standing for from all I've learned. So, if I take that, if I if I take that, and I I think I've learned a whole lot over these years. So now, my ability as an executive coach, you know, I I have some amazing clients. I, the NFL is my client. I have coaching engagements in the two largest healthcare companies in the world. I have CEOs that I that I coach. I have people in the media. I have some wonderful wonderful clients. And and so yet, I think about here are these people who are proven success stories. Yet, I have something I can share with them. We can debate the topics back and forth. They respect what mm-hmm. I've done and they listen. The other place I go to and what makes me smile is here I am teaching in the doctoral school of nursing at GW. Now, I, I can barely take a temper tour but I teach executive leadership. I know something about that. And so I have to remind myself when I'm sitting in the room with all of these PhDs around me that they may have a PhD, but they haven't actually done it. I have done it. I have run a company and all that goes with it. So when I think about what surprises me most, it is that how much I love this, and I actually get paid to do it uh,
2: Well, I tell you clearly, you bring a wealth of living and experience, and you know you walk in the light of christ, and i I believe that can be seen and felt as well by clients, whether they are believers in Christ or not, so I am not surprised that you are having that kind of a wealth and diverse clientele. So, I, I love well, that, you. that you are loving the work. Yes. yes I do. Um, <laughs> now, I'd love for you to tell us some about uh, the board that you chair, the Europe Professional Recruiting Outsourcing. Mm-hmm. Tell mm-hmm. us some about UPRO. Yeah.
0: I'd love to. Well, UPRO is a division of Year Up, and Year Up the entity, if the listeners were to Google that, it's an amazing organization that I got involved with, as a matter of fact, in 2012, right after I was, you know, when I was in that mode of deciding what I was going to be when I grew up again. And Uh Year Up is an organization, it's, it's 14 years old now, founded by a gentleman, Gerald Tritavian, who realized that he had sold his IT company for a lot of money. And he wanted to pay it forward. And he was a member of Big Brothers Big Sisters, and he had a brother, an African-American boy, who was in high school who lived in the Bronx, a student, valedictorian of the class, but who was never going to get to college without a scholarship because he was one of six children. His parents had no money to send him to school. And Gerald Mm -hmm. decided to pay for his college education at Harvard. And after doing that, he decided that the way he was going to pay it forward was create an environment for kids between 18 and 24 years old who had an aptitude for technology, because that's that's really where we primarily focus, and who he would create a school to train them for a year. And we would train underserved kids with high school diplomas or GEDs, train them for six months on leadership skills, just from as basic as how to look people in the eye. How to shake hands mm-hmm. how to how not to chew gum, how not to eat while you 're talking, think how to mm-hmm. how to sit and be a good listener, just leadership skills and then mm-hmm. and also help increase their technology aptitude because we have all kinds of uh, software products and all that we train them on, and then for six months, we place them as an intern at companies like khaki a o l fidelity fannie Mae, etc, and then, with the intent mm-hmm. that these companies will convert them to full-time employees. Now, and we ask our clients to pay them no less than $16 an hour when they convert to full-time so that we have kids who are making 38k plus a year. Many of our kids, they'll start out at 40, 45, 50 dollars and most instances these are kids who make mo- more money than anyone in their household. We're now in mm-hmm. 14 cities. We have an office as a matter of fact here in Arlington. Last year we hit our t- over our 10,000th student that we had placed in a full-time job capacity in the past 14 years. Now, that's year up. The one thing that happens with our kids when we place them is that, for example, if we placed 10 people with you for six months as an intern, you might be able mm-hmm. to only hire five of them when you when you get ready to convert so that means that we will have Europe would have invested in five other kids who didn't have a permanent job who now would have to go out and look for a job on their own and we would lose them so in 2012 i met with the founder and of europe and said to him why don't you start an in-house staffing company in the organization who will take those people who are not placed with the client and market them to other companies. You can expand the year up name, and we can take those kids whom we've invested in for a year and find them jobs someplace else. And a company can know not only are they hiring someone, but they're also doing something that is philanthropic. They're taking an underserved kid who has a lot of talent who would never be able to walk in the door of a Coca-Cola without an intro like this. Mm -hmm. And so I helped to create that for them as a consultant and that arm of Europe. And then once it was created, he asked me if I would create a board for that entity and chair the board for one year. I said yes to one year. He came back and asked me for another year and then another year. And so I still chair it today. And that's the UPRO side of Europe.
2: How fantastic is that for the kids? I mean, you all must be getting some amazing uh, stories from those young people who go on to have, I love that you have six months in leadership skills. Yes. That's a, yes. Key, oh, that's a key missing element, you know, even when you find your way into the education, the Academic part, when you manage somehow to get in those programs, but without those key leadership competencies, there's still a lack
0: well it is it when I tell you it makes your heart burst when you see these kids in the first week that they come in, and they're you know they have little to no confidence, low self esteem mm-hmm. et cetera, but they've applied mm-hmm. and they've been accepted into this opportunity. And then I promise you, within like two weeks, you see, you begin to see the difference. They're standing taller. They're they're speaking mm-hmm. with more confidence. They're excited about what they're doing. They're learning. It's an it's it's so heartwarming. It's so wonderful. And be careful. I'm going to now drag you to one of the events here in the area for it, so that you can see these By kids. By all so.
2: means. <laughs> By all means, count, count me in. I would love Fantastic. to do
0: that.
2: <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah.
0: And anyone else out there who's listening, you just let me know. I'd love to get you involved.
2: I will have her contact information audience, definitely. <laughs> um, we
0: always want volunteers.
2: Absolutely. You know, I want You've given, some, you've given some amazing advice to, um, I was going to ask particularly about women who are early career to mid-career, but you've already given some amazing advice in terms of not focusing on the position that you're in, but looking at how to prepare yourself now for two positions in the future. Um, I want to ask, you know, you have taken advantage, it sounds like of every opportunity that came before you. What what do you do now, Loretta, to ensure that you continue to grow as a leader?
0: That that's just a great question. I'll start back with one of the things I asked earlier because this is it, this to me is like principles. You know, our some things may change, but your principles should not ever change. Well, mm-hmm. One of the core things I would give as advice and what I do now, and it's con- it is the mm-hmm. constant learning, knowledge is power. When you feel you've read it all, you've done it all, you don't need to be up to date on what's happening in the world, in finance, in the economy, in climate change, in the administration. Mm-hmm. When you feel you've got enough, well, you just as well go sit in a chair and, and declare yourself someone no one really wants to interact with. You're yeah, becoming obsolete. <laughs> absolutely, you're becoming obsolete, and and there should be a quest for knowledge, a thirst for knowledge. So the one thing I would tell anybody, and certainly women, if we're going to just pull us out of that group, but anybody, knowledge mm-hmm. is power. Read, listen, interact, mm-hmm. network, go to events, do the crazy, you know, listen to TED talks because some of them are really phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Make your knowledge, help your knowledge level grow. If you want to spend time talking or you want to spend time doing something, instead of watching some of these crazy shows that are on TV, read. Get a book. Go, or go on. Get Read something electronically, but do something that's going to help you grow, going to expand your mind. That's one thing. The second thing mm-hmm. I would say to women specifically is don't mm-hmm. be afraid of math. If there's anything mm. that I find as I coach even some of the most senior female executives, it is the weakness of math. Mm. Math is important to in the work life. Math is important if you're managing a p and l if you're managing a business you're managing you want to be in management. you need to know math. Don't be afraid mm-hmm. of math you're never too old to learn. Please don't be afraid of math number three is don't mm-hmm. be afraid to ask. Once again, if we're going to say this specifically for women, women are hesitant to ask. Women will not ask for promotion. They will not ask mm-hmm. for help. They won't ask the hard questions because it might be perceived as being weak. Well, you know what? I'd rather be perceived as being weak than for people to know I don't know.
2: Yes.
0: So, yes. So,
2: Get so, over because, that perception of... I don't want to ask.
0: Right. Get over that. Because once you know, then you won't be perceived as weak anymore because you know. <laughs> so, And then mm. I go back to those things. Don't have to do anything. Be confident in your ability. You won't be confident in your ability if you don't know your topic. So knowing what you're going to talk about is always 51%. It is the majority. Once you do that, though, that's when you can start building the confidence on everything else, being exuding the executive presence, that leadership presence, presenting yourself in that manner of authority and position, being confident that you know what you're talking about, being passionate about what you do. That's the kind of advice I would give to someone that's at any career level and certainly mid-career. And then let me just throw out a plug for, for us. Have a mentor. Have a coach. Mm -hmm. Have someone Mm -hmm. with whom you can talk who has no bias, who's not giving your performance appraisal, who simply has as their core goal the desire to help you be better.
2: Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Audience, I hope you're taking notes because um, Loretta Chen is throwing it down today. (laughs) (laughs) This is such wisdom, and it's practical wisdom. It's applicable to each of us, no matter what stage or phase we're in. Um, She's blowing up the idea of dwelling in possibility here. So let me give out the number one more time. If there's anyone out there who has a comment or something that you'd like to share, please join us at 1646-1646. 716-9397. Seven one six nine three nine seven. Oh, I see. We have a call from my favorite caller. Caller, press one, and you're online with
1: us. <laughs> Good afternoon. Good afternoon.
2: Good afternoon.
1: Good afternoon. Uh, Coach Linda, I must say, you 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 really am amaze us with the the excellent guests that you bring on your show, and and today's guest has not failed you at all. I'm I'm, I'm really right. really impressed. Though. Really impressed, Miss Miss Penn and, and I must tell you that that I do believe that Mister um, uh, Mr. and, and Mrs um, Medlock, did I say the name correctly?
0: You did, yes, sir.
1: They would be so proud of you because I'm sure they would say that learning has occurred.
0: Oh my goodness, <laughs> that that oh, is yes, profound. I'm,
1: that is I'm profound. Sure, I'm sure they would say that, and and today I I've taken such such great. Notes, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to study these because I do feel that more learning has occurred to me, um, you know, from what you said about <laughs> being thoughtful and caring about what I say, what I do, mm. how I act, and how I, you know, yeah. and, of course, keeping God first, okay? Yeah. And then out in, the, in the workforce, just knowing that you have to be able to not only pay the rent, but eat at the same time. <laughs>
2: and that's real <laughs> key.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I must tell you, I think that Mr. Robert Fulgham, uh should pay you an honorarium for just, just putting his book out there because yes. I, I know from that book. I, I, I saw that book years ago, and you know all you know the, the four things that you mentioned out of the twenty about playing fair and don't hitting don't hit people and sharing everything. Mm-hmm. And, sorry when you when you hurt somebody. Oh my yeah. gosh, and mm-hmm. the other things, I'm sure are, are just as profound, you know. And I tell you, as long as I believe in God's guidance, then I, I, I have to recognize that anything is possible. Absolutely. Has, has, has learning occurred for me today, Miss piern <laughs>
0: Without question, sir, it did. It did. I, oh, I, it did. I I'm almost I, speechless.
1: I've got a wallow i got in the possibilities I've got <laughs> <Yes>. possibilities. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I do. you do <laughs> I mean, you know, he, I is he is want to study
2: study
1: And I Face all the time, I'm sure that the show can go on and on for another 24 hours, I'm sure you would have a lot of Great other things to say, so with that I'll just say Thank you very much for enlightening Enlightening us all today Thank
2: you. Well, thank you, Coach. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, You're caller. Welcome. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, it is just, you know, in this case, so everything you said is so true, so spot on, uh, Loretta, in terms of the kind of, I'm just calling it wisdom that you've been sharing with us today. I I love the applicability.
0: Let me, well, let me you. ask
2: you, absolutely, let me ask you, um, your schedule is so full, what does downtime look like for you?
0: <laughs> well, that's that's really a good question because in a very serious note, downtime isn't something I really understood or even wanted to understand for years Mm -hmm. i just thought okay well Mm -hmm. downtime well so i'll fit in a spa day or something or okay well we'll you know Mm -hmm. we'll do four days of vacation then we come back and all of that but i will tell you Mm -hmm. the last last three years or so i've i've made i have been intentional about learning what downtime means so Mm -hmm. now so, so, so here's how here's my idea of downtime now, I will admit I am very competitive. I even do downtime competitively. I really do. I can't help myself, so I'm stuck with it. so I made an objective in two thousand and twelve that I needed to be a better girlfriend and okay. because i i did i would because I was you know i my excuse was that I was so busy working, so I'd schedule lunch or something or girls' day out, and then at the last minute I'd have to cancel because I needed to work. And I thought, you know what, I'm mm-hmm. going to stop that. I'm going to be mm-hmm. a better girlfriend. So my goal now is how can I fit in girlfriend time and mm-hmm. make that as important and to me as anything else I'm doing. And I've learned I didn't even have to work at that. It just took on a level of importance all its own. So I make Beautiful. girlfriend time. I do. It's lunch. It's spa day. It's a movie. Mm-hmm. It's whatever it is with my girlfriends. So, you know, let's have breakfast. Let's have lunch. Let's just go shopping. Let's. Mm-hmm. I make girlfriend time. And I... I can't tell you what that has done for my my heart, for my soul, for my well being. Mm. Just just for me to realize how much I love these girlfriends and and mm. how important you know, you have your husband, you have your family mm-hmm. and there is that love that you have for them. And then there's that girlfriend love. That you know, where you can just kind of yes. say the Stupid stuff, you know, and and yes. and you aren't going to be judged because they're going to say stupid stuff right back to you, and you can have you can Absolutely. have the innocent fun. You can have the innocent fun. It's like as Robert Fulghum says, "Share everything." Well, that's what you do with your mm. girlfriend. You share
2: everything. Absolutely. So it's one it's thing to like do Yeah, it's quite it's a like release, a isn't it? Oh, it's quite it's a, a release. A fabulous <laughs> release.
0: It's a fabulous <laughs> relief. And then I just started, just literally started taking yoga. So, Good. yes, yes. So this is to get into my inner mind, body, and soul. Now, we're going to see how well that works because I have the attention span, you know, of a gnat. <laughs> so we we will see. See how good I'm going to be at yoga, but that, that—that's my
2: current downtime thing, if you will. We'll see. Jury's still out. Sounds way cool. Sounds way cool. <laughs> yes. If Bring you me back on the, the show a
0: year from now and see how well <laughs> I've done with that.
2: I will. I will. If you conquer yoga, let me know. <laughs>
0: oh, I don't um, know. I—we'll I, see. <laughs> we shall see.
2: Well, as we get ready to uh, wrap up this portion of the broadcast, I I love to ask clients, and, you know, it just is such a beautiful framing. So I've started to ask radio guests as well. What story do you want your life to tell?
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. that That's a really good question. That's a really good question. I... You know, it's amazing um, the power of of God in your life. And and, and Mm as life happens, I'm sure that the story that I'd like my life to tell now is very different from what I would have said 10 years ago. And I promise you Mm -hmm. that it's very different from what I would have said even a year ago. But if Mm -hmm. I think about it today, I would say that, with God's help, I made a difference. That somewhere along the way, I made a difference for somebody, somewhere, somehow. And that's what I'd like the story to be. And then if I could add a tagline, and it would be, and maybe they didn't even know it was me. That, that, that's, that what like
2: my mm-hmm. that's what I'd like my story to be. That's what mm, I'd like to be. That is the most beautiful wrap-up of a guest interview I've ever heard. Making Thank a difference you. for someone. Just, would you just say that again, Loretta? Mm-hmm. Making a difference for someone. With, mm-hmm,
0: with God's help, that I made a difference. For somebody, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: somewhere, somehow, and then maybe they didn't even know it was me.
2: Wow. Love that. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I knew it would be very special to have you as my guest, but it has just been an honor and it has been a tremendous learning uh, that you were with us today, that you took time out of your very hectic schedule to be here. So I am certain that what you shared is going to be helpful to many. And I pray that it will result in someone making inspired choices in their lives.
0: Well, Linda, you are most welcome. You're beyond welcome. And I I thank you. I thank. I first of all, may God just bless you and keep you and continue to use you in this way that He has chosen for you. It's a blessing to all of us who have a chance to hear your voice and to hear those of the amazing guests you have on your show. And I humbly thank you for considering me.
2: <sighs> um.
0: Do you have any uh shout out before we close today, Loretta? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just gonna shout out to any friends <laughs> or any family you may be listening on the line today who um who joined that group of I I would have asked a question but I just didn't want to say anything <laughs> group and say, yeah. <laughs> and say that. I'm glad you're here. And, um, and again, I just I pray, I just pray that what you and I have, that God, God gave you and I this hour together. It wasn't an hour that you and I yes. ever knew we would have. And so yes. I pray that, that this gift that he's given us, the, the true gift, that it along the way has helped or will help somebody. That's
2: the shout-out. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, before I close today, I want to give a shout out to every woman out there who dwells in possibility. We see you and we appreciate your determination. Don't give up. Keep striving until doors open or you build new ones. (laughs) And ladies out there, If you are in a season of change and you feel stuck trying to figure out your next steps, consider a coach. You can go to my website, www.lindastevensjones.com for information. You can see a testimonials tab there for what clients are saying about coaching. And you can sign up for a free discovery session with me. And lastly, to my wonderful community of listeners and callers, thank you, and I hope you heard something that encouraged you today. Please remember, share the link in your network for the show replay so someone else can be encouraged, and mark your calendars to tune in for the next broadcast on Tuesday, April 4th, right here at 12 noon Eastern, with my guest, Mr. Cozy Bailey. Who heads the Prince William County, Virginia, NAACP? Until then, stay blessed.